0: reading our scripture tonight. We're going to be looking at Hosea chapter 4, the passage read just a moment ago. Before we do that, let me just take this opportunity to welcome you again. appreciate your presence tonight. To those of you that are visiting, as always, we invite you to come back. We're grateful for the number of visitors who come each week, and we've been blessed to have some that have joined hands, joined hands with us, and it may be the case that you're looking for a church home. As always, we invite you to consider the work here. I mentioned a moment ago we're going to be looking at Hosea chapter 4 and I want us to look at Hosea chapter 4 verses 1 through 6 and then we're also going to look at chapter 8 in light of our theme tonight, the danger of turning away from the Bible or the danger of turning away from the Word of God. I want us to begin by first of all talking specifically about the failure of Israel. In Hosea chapter 4, Hosea chronicles the sad state of the children of Israel and it would probably be helpful for us to first consider the relationship that Israel enjoyed with God and His Word. God, as you well know, had delivered the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage and God had told Moses back in Exodus Chapter 19, how he had borne them on eagles' wings and brought them unto himself. God entered into a covenant relationship with them. And based upon that covenant relationship with them, Moses, of course, rehearsed the promises that God had given unto him. And their response was, all that the Lord has said that we will do. That relationship was conditional in nature. God had told them that they would be unto Him a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Unfortunately, the children of Israel did not honor that covenant relationship. As a result, they faced a lot of heartaches and a lot of problems. The relationship that they had forged was to have been undergirded by their willingness to honor The commandments that had been given unto Moses by God on Mount Sinai. And you can go back and look at Exodus chapter 20 and you think about the commands that were given. Some of those commands dealt with Israel's relationship to God. Those commands would be vertical in nature. And then there were commands that were given that would deal with their relationships to one another. Their horizontal commands. God intended for ancient Israel to honor His Word, to honor His will. In Romans chapter 3, when the Apostle Paul asked what advantage the children of Israel had, the response was, unto them had been committed the oracles of God. And so they had God's Word to guide them like the North Star, so to speak. The psalmist, as you know, wrote in Psalm 119, 115, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. The only problem was they rejected God and His Word. As a result of that, there were a lot of problems, a lot of heartaches. Let me just call attention very quickly. There were some safeguards in place that would have ensured their faithfulness to God. Go back for just a moment and look at the book of Deuteronomy for a moment. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, God said to Moses in the long ago, Beginning in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Now look at verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. In other words, the children of Israel, the parents, had the responsibility of passing on their faith to the next generation. Now having said that, turn with me now to the book of Judges. In Judges chapter 2, the writer there talks about the faithfulness of the people of God during the days of Joshua. In verse 7, the writer said, The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel, I think it would be safe to conclude that the children of Israel at this point in time in their history had honored the words of God through Moses. They had taught, they had instructed their children diligently in his precepts. But drop down and look at verse 10. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them, who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. As a result, verse 11... The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. What happens? Somewhere along the way, the people of God failed to pass on the oracles of God to their children. In other words, they failed to pass on the teaching, the divine teaching that God had wanted them to carry forth from generation to generation. Now having said that, turn again to the book of Hosea. Look at Hosea chapter 4. Here's what Hosea said, and Hosea, of course, is writing to the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom, as you well know, went into Assyrian captivity in about 722, 721 BC. A little bit later in history, the southern kingdom, Judah, they too would go into captivity. They would go for 70 years into Babylon. A remnant would return. That remnant, would be for the purpose of bringing the Messiah, the Son of God, into the world to save the human family. So in Hosea chapter 4, Hosea is writing and he is really issuing what we would call an indictment against the children of God. Here's what he said. Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. For the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. Well, why is that? Here's what he said. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. The question that I ask, how could that have happened? How in the world could ancient Israel have gotten to a point in time where Hosea said, there's no truth, there is no mercy, there is no knowledge of God in the land? What happened? Somewhere along the line, people became disenchanted with the will of God the word of God in their lives they failed to pass on their faith to the next generation as a result a lot of problems and a lot of heartaches faced the children of Israel now I want you to look with me very quickly we talk about the failure of Israel I want you to consider with me the face of Israel and this really has to do with their character and their corruption. If you wanted to somehow paint a face, a caricature, of the children of Israel, what did they look like? Well, Hosea tells us exactly what they looked like. The problem with the children of Israel, according to Hosea, anarchy reigned. If the word of God, that is if divine law, is not honored, then what happens? Then people just do what they want to do. I read for you just a moment ago from Judges chapter 2, where the writer there said, There arose another generation in Israel that knew not the Lord, nor yet the great works which He had done for Israel. In the closing chapter of that book, chapter 21, verse 25, the Bible closes with these words, In those days there was no king in Israel. In other words, the children of Israel had rejected God as being their king. They would later ask for a king. And God would honor that request. And that just increased a number of problems. But nonetheless, the writer said, In those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. When there is no divine standard, then people feel free to just do as they want. One of the real problems that we have in our nation, in our country, and really globally for that matter, is that there are a lot of people that do not want somebody telling them what to do. And so because of that, they have purged God from their thinking, from society. And as a result of that, anarchy reigns, a lot of problems. Now, look again at what Hosea said. He said, there's no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. What are the fruits... Of this kind of behavior. In other words, when people close their minds to the truth of God. When they say, you know what? I really don't need God telling me what to do. I don't need a book that's called the Bible to lead and instruct me. So what what are the fruits of that? Well, listen to what he says. Verse 2. By swearing and lying, killing and stealing, and committing adultery, they break all restraint. Let me just pause here for a minute. Note what he says. They break all restraint. If there are no laws, then people free they feel free to do as they please, don't they? If there are no parameters. And so in the days of Hosea, he's saying, look, the people did as they pleased. There were no restraints. They just did as they pleased. And so he talks about the fact that, There were people in that day, they were dishonest. They would lie. They would kill. Did you know the first three months of this year, in the city of Chicago, there was an 84% increase in homicide. Last year, Memphis identified as the third worst city in America for crime. Why is that? I can tell you why it is. Because we've got a lot of people in our world today, they think they know better than God. We, we talk about our nation being in trouble. I can tell you why our nation's in trouble. doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand why we are spiraling in this country. You know where it all stems from? The home. Go back and look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. What were the children of Israel instructed to do? To teach, teach, teach. In the days of Paul, when he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he talked about the genuine faith that dwelt first in his grandmother, a woman by the name of Lois, and then in his own mother, a lady by the name of Eunice. And then he said, and I am persuaded is in you also. You've got three generations of people there, don't you? A grandmother, mother, and a son. In chapter 3, verse 15, Paul said, And that from a baby, from infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Think about that for a minute. The mother and grandmother of Timothy, when he was just a little fellow, What were they doing? They were instilling within him values. Now we talk about a value system, knowing the difference between right and wrong, good and evil, truth and error. If mamas and daddies don't do their job in the homes, then what's going to happen? Anarchy's going to reign. And then you add to this fact that in our modern-day school systems, and this really doesn't really matter if you're talking about our public schools, our universities, whatever the case may be. And sadly, even in some Christian institutions, we have devalued human life to the extent that we say, you know what, we're not the products of God. We are the result of evolution. When people fail to understand their origin, when they think that they washed up on the beach, or that they are kin, as we would say, to a monkey or an ape. Don't be surprised when they live like a monkey or an ape. We have people in our country, young and old, they have no respect for human life, do they? I saw on the news just a moment ago, eight people killed in Ohio, execution style. What's wrong with people? What's wrong with young people that'll bring a gun to school and, and kill their classmates or teachers or administrators? What, what's wrong with, with middle-aged people who will kill their family members, or kill a friend or a coworker because they don't like what's going on? The problems we're having can be traced back to the home and the lack of divine teaching. We've got, we got a lot of folks in our world today. When it comes to what the Bible teaches, they just don't know, do they? And then add to that, we talk about killing. Most people in our country, if you were to ask them about what happened in World War II with Adolf Hitler, they would tell you that the crimes perpetrated on the Jewish people were inhumane, barbaric. And they were. Did you know that what has happened in this country through abortion makes what Hitler did look tame? And yet we give a free pass in this country to the termination of human life in the womb. Barbaric? Yes. We don't respect life. The children of Israel, they didn't respect life. As a result of that, they were going into captivity. So he said, with killing and stealing, committing adultery, he said, they break all restraint with bloodshed after bloodshed. What about the corruption? What was the problem? Well, number one, immorality, a lack of values. Number two, idolatry. In verse 17, the prophet said, Ephraim is joined to her idols, let her alone. In verse 12, he said, My people ask counsel from their wooden idols, and their staff informs them, for the spirit of harlotry has caused them to stray. I never dreamed that I would live in a country where we would become so pluralistic in our thinking that we would put the God of heaven on a plane equal to Muhammad or Buddha or Confucius. Can you imagine? Could, could you imagine in your in, in your youth, if you're older, could, could you imagine the things that are going on in our country? I never dreamed that we would see some of the things that we're seeing in our country. And by the way, whether you realize it or not, public enemy number one, Christianity, and God's Word. A lot of A lot of people are upset because we purged the Word of God from the public sector. But it was purged from the home many, many years ago. So we're just reaping really the byproducts of a lack of teaching. The children of Israel, they were upside down with problems. Listen to him in verse 6. Drop down and look at verse 6. He said, My people are destroyed. For lack of knowledge. They were devoid of divine knowledge, weren't they? There was a lack of knowledge when it came to the Word of God. And we talk about knowing the Scriptures today. And those of us who are members of the church, if someone were to ask you to pull out a sheet of paper, remember when you were in, well, some of you are in school, but you remember. If you're older, you remember when the teacher would walk in the room and she'd say, pull out a sheet of paper, get your pen or pencil out, put all your books under your, under your desk. your are going to have pop, a pop quiz. I used to hate those pop quizzes because I never did well. If somebody asks you to pull out a sheet of paper, question number one, could you give book, chapter, and verse for the plan of salvation? Could you do that? Question number two. Could you tell where in the Bible it says Jesus is the head of the church? Question number three. Could you give a verse for where it says in the Bible that Jesus is the Savior of the body? Could you give a verse in Scripture that says that we are to partake of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week? Could you give a scripture that says we are to worship God in spirit and truth? Could you give a scripture that says that we are to sing and make melody in our heart to the Lord? It may be that you were rattling those verses off just like that. hope you were. We need to know what the Bible has to say. Solomon said in Proverbs 23, 23, Buy the truth and sell it not. What was he saying? He was saying the truth is something that ought to be important to each and every one of us. It ought to be that guiding light, that guiding principle that governs our hearts and lives in this world. Again, the words of the psalmist, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my pathway. John said the world in which we live, it is enshrouded in darkness. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. And Jesus said in John chapter 3, men love darkness rather than light. The only way to dispel spiritual darkness is to go back to the Word of God and allow this book to lead us in life. So these people, first and foremost, they just didn't know the book. They were devoid of knowledge, and then as a result of that, he said, you're you're destroyed for lack of knowledge. Turn over, if you would, to chapter 8 for a moment. Listen to him in chapter 8, verse 12. Here's what Hosea the prophet said. I have written for him the great things of my law. Would you say that the word of God is great? Do you know of any book that compares to scripture? There have been a lot of writers, a lot of books that have been penned down through the years. A lot of great authors. Individuals that had a flair for writing. And they could literally make you see it on the page. There's no book comparable to Scripture. When you go back and you look at the Old Testament, 39 books. The New Testament, 27 books, 66 in total. Those books penned over a span of about 15 to 1,600 years by 40 different writers. Those men coming from various backgrounds, and yet when they came together and they penned this book, they put together a book united in scope, harmonious. And so, a book unlike any other. And Hosea said, look, on behalf of God, I've given you the great things of my law, but here's what he said. They were, they were counted or they were considered a strange thing. Now, if you go back and look at chapter 4 again, Hosea said, there's no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. If you don't know what the Bible has to say, when people don't know what the Scriptures have to say, and somebody quotes it to them, what's their response? That's strange. When you tell people today, look, life in the womb is sacred. God hates the hands of those that shed innocent blood. There's something about human life. When you talk about the fact that we have been fearfully and wonderfully made, And that we are the products of an almighty God and people look at you like you're crazy. They don't know the book. Do you know of another book that tells you definitively where you came from? Do you know of another book that definitively tells you why you're here, what your purpose is? Do you know of another book that tells you What lies beyond the grave? I don't know of another book that tells us that. And yet the Bible answers all of those questions. The children of Israel, let me me just be very blunt, they were foolish, foolish, because they disregarded this book. We have a lot of folks in our country today, some who are heads of major corporations, some who are Leading our academic institutions. Some in Washington. And they are foolish. And you know why? Because they think they know better than God. When we get to the point where we think we know better than God, we are a train wreck just waiting to happen. So, the face of Israel. Let me ask you this question. If someone were to paint a caricature of America, and we were to say, This is the face of America, this is what America looks like, what would it be? What would it look like? There was a day. I think when people talked about America, they talked about God and honor and integrity, they talked about the flag freedoms that we enjoy. There was something said, there was something about America that was different from other countries in America. And I'm not saying that we're some chosen nation because we're not. God's chosen people today, the church. But there was something different about America. And we talked about our work ethic. The fact that millions of people believed in a hard day's work. And now we've got some 50% of Americans living on government aid. And We talk about why we don't have money. I can tell you why we don't have money. Because we don't follow what the Bible says. You know what the Bible says? You want to correct the spending in our country and, and giving and giving and giving to people that won't work? Here's what Paul said. If any man won't work, don't let him eat. If you get hungry enough, you know what? You'll go to work. Or you'll die. Not my responsibility to carry everybody. Not your responsibility. It's the responsibility of every single able-bodied man and woman in this country to work and make a living. If they won't work and make a living, as Paul said, don't let them eat. Cut them off. It'll change things. So, The face of Israel. What about the fate of Israel? What was their fate? Listen to what Hosea said, chapter 8, verse 7. They sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. There is a universal law that has been in effect since creation. It's true in the natural realm. It is true in the spiritual realm. Here's what Moses said, Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. Every seed brings forth after its own kind. Some of you have gardens. Jared was telling me just the other day that he's planted a garden. I didn't know he was a farmer, but he is. But some of you have a garden. And you understand that if you're going to have, if you're going to have tomatoes, then what kind of seed do you have to plant? Corn seed, tomato. You want corn, you got to plant the right kind of seed. Why? Because every seed brings forth after its own kind. That is a law that God devised. doesn't change. True in the natural realm. Same thing's true with regard to the human family. A man and a woman can bring forth a child. We don't bring forth an animal. We don't bring forth a lot of things. What about the spiritual realm? Is it true? Well, here's what Paul said, Galatians chapter 6. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Sometimes people, they want to turn their nose up. And really, that's the idea in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Paul said, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Here's what he said, Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. In the spiritual realm, what's he saying? He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Those who sow to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Here's what the prophet said, They sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. If you sow bad seed, when harvest time comes, don't expect a good crop. Why is that? Because you sowed bad seed. By the same token, in the spiritual realm, if you live a life devoid of God, and you don't know what the scriptures say, and you don't live by the scriptures, then you just mark it down. When harvest time comes, you're going to have more trouble than you can say grace over you're going to have all kinds of problems. There are a whole lot of people in our country, and I'm talking about young and old, rich and poor, black and white. Some Some are educated, some aren't. And they've got a lot of problems in their lives. And if you look at their lives, it's just a continuation of one problem after another. It's a proliferation of problems. And oftentimes they'll ask the question, what in the world is wrong? I'll tell you what's wrong. You've closed your mind to the only book that can get get your life straightened out. A lot of homes, chaos, unrest, trouble, division, you just name it. You know why? No God. There's an answer. For all the problems that are going on, not just here in America, but globally. What's the answer? Go back to this book right here. Sometimes forward progress. In this case, forward progress is backwards, back to the Bible. What's the danger of turning away from the Bible? The danger spelled out in the book of Hosea. The danger today to saying no to what the Bible has to say a lot of problems, a lot of trouble. The problems and troubles that we face in in this country, in our homes today, they could be corrected. If we would just take the first step back to the Bible. What's the old song that we sing, Give Me the Bible? That's what we need today. Go back to the Bible. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you, turn to the Bible. If you're not a Christian, and you've been trying to live a life without God, and your life's chaotic, and you've got all kinds of problems, let me just ask you this question. Don't you think it's time to make a change? Ask yourself, how are things working out? If things aren't what they ought to be, doesn't that tell you you need to go back to something better? So what do you go back to? You go back to the Bible. The Bible says that if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you would willingly repent of your sins and confess His name before others and be baptized into Christ, that all your sins will be washed away. You can have a clean start, a fresh start. Acts 2.38 And then if you'll be faithful, the promise is the crown of life. It might be that you're here tonight, you're not faithful to the cause of Christ. You've gone back out into the world and your life is... Reminiscent of the prodigal son. You made a mess of things. Good news is you can come home. God will take you back. John said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Won't you come as we stand and sing?